I want to stir you all up today. We're going to just totally do away with this because I have, over the last 40 years, kind of have an idea what it says. So, right there. You can lay yours down. I remember when I first got saved, uh, sitting in the church, and the preacher would say, Ezekiel chapter 3, and by the time I found it, he was preaching on something else. You know what I mean? And you're looking at your wife or husband going, what did he, what'd he say? What did he say? And she's going, shut up, I'm listening. Shut up. So just lay your Bibles down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on a little cruise today. Um, uh, 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 oh, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, there was one other group I wanted to uh, uh, apologize to. Hey, guys, we, we know this scare shot. When I'm standing up here, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder going, oh, there's a visiting Baptist. Y'all, it scares y'all to death. I know what you're used to. I was a Baptist, Southern Baptist pastor for 15 years, about 15 years. We walked in on Sunday mornings and said, would you open your hymnals to page 233 and we will sing the first, the last, and the 19th verse of this song. And I, I want to I share something with all you visitors right offhand in case you don't know it. If you go study a, do a study in the Hebrew and the Greek, the word worship is interpreted to bow. So that if we came to where you went, you used to go to church and walked into your church at 11, it says worship 11 o'clock, there would be none of that going on. There would be no bowing going on. I made a commitment to the Lord that every time I come in this place, at some point and place, I will bow before the Lord. Does that make sense? Because here, here's the deal, short, real short lesson, theological lesson. We, when we come to church, and something else, y'all, well, y'all don't sing hymns. I sang hymns my whole life. But what they did in the tabernacle of David, they did not sing hymns about themselves or even historical songs, they sang songs unto the Lord. That's where the Song of Solomon came from. That was a song, and the book of Psalms is a, 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 a group of poetic literature and songs that are sang to the Lord. We sing to the Lord to praise Him. People don't get this. Listen to me. There are seven different words in the, in the Greek that say, Praise. One of them, one of them is, I'm not going to name all of them. <clears throat> Chad would love that. There's one for dancing. There's one for shouting. There's one for clapping. There's one for, what they call it uh, when you clamor, when everybody's going, oh, yeah, hallelujah. That's clamor. And that is a form of worship. And I know you ain't used to all that. I don't know that's scary to you. So don't let us scare you. Come in here and sit down and enjoy what I'm telling you. I was over here dancing. I know they don't do that where you, where you came from, but I'm going to teach you men to dance. Before I go to Poland, the men will do a dance up on this stage, okay? All you, all you guys that have been saying, hey, if you ever do that, I want to be in it. Get ready, boys. Go on a diet. Get yourself. You want to look good in them tutus? Now, I know none of you will be back. Uh, yeah, but we're, we're going to do a little dance. It's going to be something similar to the Harlem Shuffle. <laughs> Everything to our Lord. 
Everyone I wish I would want to call it. Hey! <laughs> you know, who, who knows what is going to bless the Lord in this thing? Amen. It's all anointed. It's all anointed. I, I really do. I want to stir you all up today. Uh, if you ain't stirred up, you're not much good. If you're cooking on the stove, what do you got to do to it every once in a while? You got to stir it up. Amen. You want it all cooked. You don't want hard beans on the bottom and soft beans on the top. You want beans all the same. All right. Amen. Do you need to be ready for what God throws into your life? Uh, William has taught a really a, 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 a unique teaching the last two Wednesdays. And, and both of them are probably some of the most important things that you will ever hear in this church. When Lazarus died... Jesus said that Lazarus did not die, that he might just die, but through it, God might be glorified. Lazarus had to die so Jesus could raise him up. If there wouldn't have been a death, there would have been no reliving into life. When the blind man was blind, if he wouldn't have been blind, Jesus could not have touched his eyes and said, wait, wait a minute, spit in the dirt, touched his eyes and said, have your sight. Everything, everything in the Bible, every miraculous happening that took place during those years when Jesus was on the earth were things that were to give God the glory. Even when the woman was brought and thrown on the ground and caught in adultery, it came up that Jesus stands up and he says, let he who has no sin cast the first stone at this lady. Every action of our life. I want to tell you men something. I'm speaking to you men right now. I know some of you are sitting out there and you're telling yourself, I will never act like that man. Never. He dances, he shouts, he speaks in tongues, he sings obnoxiously loud, he bothers all around him, and I'm never going to be like that. You want to be just like me. Because I'm going to tell you why. God told me one day, standing right there, while there was this huge cloud floating around up here, that he says, you make me happy. And let me tell you what you want. You want to make God happy. And I'm going to tell you why you want to make God happy. I don't, I don't need to do all that. No, I ain't, getting that, I ain't getting that into this. You keep hanging around here long enough, it's like walking down the riverbank. And everybody else is in the water, and they keep throwing water up on the bank. Well, the more water they throw on the bank, the muddier it gets. And the muddier it gets, the more chance it is that you're going to slip down that deal and get in the water with everybody else. So, so, so just keep thinking, I can just keep coming here, and I don't have to be a nutcase like the rest of these people. I'll just, I'll just show God I love him. I'll stand here and be quiet. And let me tell you the bad thing about that. Let me tell you the problem with that. I've told this for many years here. If you, uh, men say, men tell God what they will and they will not do. But men, what are you going to do when you have a six-month-old baby laying on its deathbed? And God says, worship me. And you go, no. Goodbye, baby. If you have change in your pocket with the Lord for serving him and being faithful to him, God just might do a miracle in your life. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God, through pulling down of strongholds and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. 
God wants to use you. He wants to use you like a pawn in a chess game to do the, do the works and show the power of God in this world through your life. My life? Yeah, every one of you. God has a, he has a story. He has a place. He has an occupation for you in the kingdom of God. And all you got to do is just get to the point where you're, you're willing to do that. You know, I, I, want, I want to share a few things with you this morning. Uh, I'm going to use some personal things in my life, and I'm going to use some personal things in some of your lives in what God's done in just a short 25 years that we've been here. If you go to Paris, and I'm not, I've flown over Paris and London so many times, and people will go, Paris is right down there. I say, well, that's fine. Just keep it right down there. I, I don't, I don't want to go. Uh, they say it stinks, it's nasty, and there's no morals. I have no reason to want to go there. Um, there is a museum in Paris. Uh, I've never been in it, evidently, because I've never been there. But they say in, in, in a museum over there, there's a very interesting painting hanging on the wall, on one of the walls in the museum. And on, in that painting, I just want you to kind of, as I tell you the story, just kind of imagine what it looks like. There's a table there. And there, there are opponents on both sides of the chess table. One of them, sitting in his chair, is he looks beaten. He's unclean. He's unkept. His clothes have hole in them, holes in them. He looks like he's lost his only friend in life. He looks hungry. He looks lonely. And on the other side of the table, guess who's sitting there? Beelzebubba. That's Caney Head Devil for y'all. Beelzebubba sits on the other side of the table. And the name of the painting at the bottom, inscripted at the bottom, is Checkmate. Now, I've never played a whole lot of chess. I've played a little bit, but I know this much. When your opponent makes a move and calls the word Checkmate, it means that your game is just about over. This man looking on the, on the opposite side of the table looks like some of us find ourselves at times. Everybody's watching me right now and seeing what God's doing in my life. God has just above and abundantly blessed me and Sherry. Uh, our cup runneth over. It, re it really runs over. And we're just being blessed. But that does not mean that me and Sherry do not have situations in our life. Matter of fact, I kind of got overwhelmed uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, I began to think of all the things that's going on. What's Jeremiah going to do? And, and to you people that ain't been through this, you don't, you don't understand. It, it's a very pivotal point in his life. Uh, is he going into the Marine Corps, Navy SEAL, uh, work with the Girl Scouts? What, what, uh, what's, what's he going to do? And, and that... that that worries me and that bothers me and I'm going to pray about it every day no matter where I'm at, hoeing the corn or washing the car or doing something else. I'm going to be praying all day long, Lord, bless Jeremiah. Lord, give me the faith to know that it's going to be all right. 
I got two kids in the beach in Destin, Florida right now. Oh, no, they're at church now. They'll be in the water for seven days. Lord, help me. I'm a water freak. Lord, help me. Uh, I had seven things that were going on in my brain. And God's simple word came to me and said, you've always trusted me. Trust me now. Well, God, what if this happens? Well, what if it does? I'm bigger than the thing. God can take care of it. If, I want, if somebody here, would somebody here this morning just stand to your feet and shout amen? Would somebody? All right, all right, all right. Sit down, sit down. There you go. Would somebody stand up and shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Why are all you people on the front row and all you scared people sitting back there ain't doing nothing? Uh, uh, I, I, I ought to make one of you jump up and speak in tongues, but that would probably do, end it right there. <clears throat> There's probably going to come a time in your life when you're going to be put into a dire situation. And during that time, you're going to be able to say, yes, thank you, Lord, that I have change in my pocket. And that when I call on your name, you answer me. Do you know through the whole Bible, that's always been the number one thing, that when people would call upon the name of the God, God would say, what? Even though he knows what we have, even though he knows what we need before we ask it, he's waiting for that call, Lord, and him saying, what? And him relating with you what the outcome of it's going to be before the outcome ever gets there. We serve a God that is faithful. I was a Marine. Semper Fidelis means always faithful. God is Semper Fideliosis. He is always faithful. Not many of you, I hope a lot of, not, not a lot of you were here Wednesday night. I want, to, I want to serve a real fast recap of what took, when, took place Wednesday night. Leanna was, I can't remember, were you, were you, Having or losing or what on that day? That was Rebecca's birth. I was called to the hospital one night. William called me. He was paranoid and said, get to the hospital. Leanna's in bad trouble. Leanna is probably one of the top best friends out of five, out of five my top best friends. She might be number one. I'm just not going to say that because... <laughs> All the rest of them would question me after church. What number am I? She was in bad shape. When I say bad shape, I'm fixing to describe it. When I got there, the doctor who was watching her had basically told William, it doesn't look good. That doctor thought Leanna was fixing to die. And I'm going to tell you how critical it was. When I walked in that room, they had... They had her bed on a 45-degree angle. The mattress on that bed was about six inches thick. She was bleeding from her lower extremities. The blood was dripping off the mattress here. It was soaked, and the blood was just running on the floor. They had five vials of blood plugged into her with Blood pressure cuffs around him, forcing the blood into her. She was losing the blood so fast. They were pretty much assured. The people in the room were pretty much assured that Leanna was going to die. 
And when I walked in that room and I saw the situation, and there was just craziness going on in the room, people were paranoid, people were angry, people were saying, let's sue the, sue the hospital. Oh, and I'm thinking there, what in the name of heaven would be the cry of somebody to say, let's sue the hospital? My word would be, let's save the person. So I just looked at everybody in the room and I said, all y'all get out of here. The night before, I had read the story of when God was fixing to bring a little judgment down on Israel. And Moses looked up at God and said, God, remember your promises to these people. And he stopped God's hand from killing a bunch of Israeli people. When I walked in that night, when I told everybody to get out of the room, the doctor kind of looked at me, you're not, you're not talking to me. I looked to him, I said, you too, get out of here. And he walked out. I walked over to her bed, <clears throat> and I laid across her. William, William talked about it the other night of it being a form of worship. I lowered myself. I humiliated myself. I humbled myself by laying over her body. That is definitely a checkmate situation. Nobody knows really exactly what's going to happen. And the only thing we can speculate is without faith or with faith, what do we think is going to happen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I wanted the evidence of life. This was a love of my life, sweetheart. Friend, our oikos was close. And it looked in, in, the, in, the real, in the real world, the realm of the world, it appeared that if Satan would have been across my table, I would have been at the point of checkmate. This wasn't about the other people there. This wasn't about the doctor being there. He couldn't help her. He couldn't save her. The only thing that could save her was a holy God. When I leaned across that bed and fell across her body and began to weep and to pray, and I began to cry out to God the words I had read the night before, and said, I literally, when I raised myself up like this, put my hands up in the air, and I said, Dear God, you cannot let this happen. And he heard my cry. Satan had me, and I'm telling you, it wasn't anybody but Satan. At the okaying of God, God allowed <clears throat> Leanna to get into that situation. God allowed Satan to worry us. Scripture says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its own perfect work making you mature in what you do i laid across that bed and i began to cry out to the lord and he heard my voice leanna didn't just jump up out of the bed she didn't start dancing around the room but the minute i prayed over her god spoke to me just like that and he said she will be okay by the time the sun rises. 
And I walked out in the hall. William had went to the bathroom. He was laying prostate on the floor in that nasty pea-covered floor bathroom. But he was in the position that you talk to God. And when I walked in there, he got up off the floor, walked outside, and I said, God, I said, William, God told me before the sun rises, she'll be well. Well, the next word we got, the doctor said, we're sending her to Houston. They brought in a life flight. Satan was hammering me. Checkmate, dude. What you going to do? Checkmate, dude. What, what's going to happen? You're, you're, you're who you are is on the line. If this fails, you're going to look like the false prophet. If this fails, nobody will trust your words anymore. But God told me that night that just like he told Josie Wales, I had iron in my teeth. And what I asked him to do, he would be faithful and he would do that which I wished. When I told William that William walked off and left me, the, the flight came in, picked her up, and headed to Houston. It was still dark. And all of a sudden, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but we got a call from the Houston hospital. And that call said this, she is fine. She is safe and no harm. And as I listened to that phone call, I don't remember who was standing right here. I looked, I think it was Sharice. Sharice says it was me. I looked over and said, look at there. The sun's coming up. When God, when God wants to show himself, he's looking for somebody. Once again, it's got a little change in their pocket. Somebody that suffered for him. Somebody that's given up their life for him. Someone that has laid down everything they have for them. Put their family in suffering modes. Given everything he has away. Quit the best job you'd ever want. And I said, God, I got some change. I have a need. Fix my little baby girl here. Satan had me against the wall. He had William against the wall. He had Larry and Kathy against the wall. He really had that doctor against the wall. But when everything looked like it was going to fall apart, Satan looked at me and said, checkmate. And God stuck his finger down into the middle of the situation and says, but I've got one more move. There she is. Look at that. When Lazarus died, William talked about this Wednesday night. One of the things, I don't know if y'all know the story of, of Lazarus, and Lazarus, got, he got dead. <laughs> that sounds normal coming from this pulpit. He got dead. And, uh, <laughs> or is it, would, it, would it proper be deaded? He got deaded? Well, anyway. He was bad off, put it that way. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, were totally both reacting in different ways. One was, one was saying, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. The other one was off working, taking care of the, the funeral needs. 
the mo- one of the most awesome parts of that message is this. Mary did what was natural. Mary, because she was a worshiper, went and fell at the feet of Jesus. Folks, I challenge you. Go into the Word and read it. Go into your um, concordance and look up the word feet and, and fell and see how many times that when God stepped on the scene, how many times Jesus stepped into the scene, how many times angels of the Lord stepped into the scene, and it says that the people that were there fell on, fell on their faces, and they worshipped. They bowed down to the living God. Can I get a witness? Can I get a praise the Lord? Can I get a witness? Hallelujah! Amen. And just when they thought old Lazarus was over laying in the grave four days, they wouldn't, if they'd left him in three and would have came out, they'd have said he really wasn't dead. He was just acting dead, and now he's alive. Y'all are all a bunch of liars. Let me, tell you what, let me tell you what happened with Lazarus. Can I tell you what happened with Lazarus? Forty years later, and I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know how, I don't know how old he was when he died. When he, when he died, probably 40 or 50 years later, some old... Some old uh, uh, what denomination can I use here? Some old Methodist said, well, I told you that wasn't a real healing. He died anyway. <laughs> that's, the, that's the they-sayers and the naysayers. When God kills, he kills, and he kills good. When he raises up, he raises up really good. I like the story of King David. King David, a little ruddy sheep, Sheep take her care. Went over one day to take a little piece of food to some of his friends and brothers that were in the fight against the Philistines. When David walks on the scene, Satan's there. He looks out there and here's this big old hairy-legged giant who knows how tall he was. Nine foot, that sounds good to me. How big was his spear? Uh-oh. Uh, it was, put it this way, it was big. It was big. This dude was about 500 pounds, nine foot tall, had a, had a, uh, had a, uh, a spear about the size of a fence post. And David's standing over there, and he's hurling, hurling nasty words over at the Israeli army calling them cowards and where come out send somebody out to fight me David was the most unlikely person that could have been able to kick his butt and David just looks around and says I cannot believe that you bunch of wimps and worms are sitting here and letting this big oaf Bad mouth, your God. And he walks out there. He gets his slingshot. And son, he starts twirling that thing. He hits that dude right between the eyeballs. And once again, Satan goes, I got y'all here. Y'all are in fear. He's beating your army. We have a giant that can overcome you. And that was always the Israelis' fear that there were giants in the land. And here a little bitty, probably guy about this big, walks out with a slingshot. He says, you, you come against me with a sword and a spear. 
but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Say hallelujah, brother. Bam! Down he goes and he's dead. And what looked like a, like a moment on a chessboard where it was, uh, you got one more move, dude. Checkmate. God once again says, I have one more move. And all of a sudden, all is right in the Christian world. How about the story of Shadrach? I can't say it the way I used to. <laughs> Mickey remembers. I can't say that. I choose, watch out. Y'all might accidentally say what I used to say. Okay. Robert says, it's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, it's your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. (laughs) These guys, these guys are basically captured. They're being used because they are excellent in what they do. They find favor with the king, and the king's blessing them. He's giving them extra stuff. He's giving them a couple of extra sardines at night because they're doing good. And all of a sudden, the people in the upper echelon don't like the good treatment they're getting. So they rebel. And they say, they, they get together and they say, let's go to the king and say, we're fixing to raise this new idol up here. And you have to, when the, when the sack bolt, and that's a heck of a name for an instrument. He named about five different instruments. When these instruments play, everybody has to bow before this false sign. This is one of the better things you need to hear. You need to hear it, you need to hear it today, and you need to get it down in your crawl where it will stay. When they would not bow at, after the second opportunity, The upper echelon comes and says, we need to, as a punishment, throw these dudes in the fiery furnace. I remember that. It was the upper echelon that wanted to do it. The king didn't want to do it. But because they had made a law, they had to fulfill it. So the upper echelon went off and began to heat that oven up seven times hotter than it normally ever was the word seven implies god it was god hot and that's what most of you need to get touched with god hot it's called the baptism of fire and the baptism of fire does something to you it cleanses you and it purges you of all the junk that keeps you from being what god wants you to be So they back off. They heat the, heat the old firebox up. Get the barbecue pit ready. And they cast their you know, hineys in there. Here was the question. Look, folks, we're going to give you another opportunity to do this. And, and one of them stands up and goes, hey, look, let's get something understood right now. We know that we serve a God that is able to save us. And they all, they all went, <laughs> yeah, right. There's the fire. Here you are. And guess who's fixing to go in there? But they said this. This, this, is, this to me, is one of the, the, the number one word things in the whole Bible. 
They said, we will not bow down. We, we, we believe that we have a God that is able. And then when, you're, and when you get into the trouble you're going to get into in the future, this needs to be your word. We have a God that is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, that's fine with us. So they throw their little squirmy butts in that furnace. And here's one of the most awesome things you will ever see in the Bible. And I love how they portray it. The king walks up and says, I see four people in there. And l listen to this. I see four people in there. Think about this. I see four people in there. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and somebody that looks like Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he went, whoa, what a mighty God y'all have. Throw all them guys in there that were mad at him. Throw all them. Get all them higher echelon people. Throw their butts in that fire and show them what happens when people mess with our God. All of a sudden, he was the king's God. All the bad people were going into hell. Amen? It's the way it works. It's the way it works. It's the way God wants you to work. It's how he wants you to operate. He wants you when you get a bad word, when you get a bad report. He wants you to be able to say, Oh God, I've been semper fidelis to you. Would you bless me, Lord, because I have served you. He don't owe us anything. But you know what he says in this word? And this is what I, how I defend myself with Nathan. The Word of God says that when I walk in tune with God, and my heart is His heart, I can ask for whatever I want, and it will be done. Sounds like mine and Nathan's relationship. Boy, I get talked to all the time. You, you didn't treat your kids like that? I said, I like Nathan for God's sake. <laughs> the, my number one song right now in the world is your love defends me. I want you to think about that. Why would you have to defend someone? Because they're wrong. What does it do when you defend somebody that's wrong? You stand up and say, look, we're all idiots. He's just one of us. We're all stupid. He's just as stupid as we are. And you don't, it's not like, it's not like Jesus being our advocate. It's like him being somebody that just loves you so much that no matter what happens, he's on your side. Your love defends me. I like that. That's my song. Me and King David are a whole lot alike. You go look at our lives. Don't look too hard. You, you look at our lives. God, God does for me what he does for me because he's my defender. He's my lover. He's my, he's my guy. I'm his bride. How'd you like to? Yeah, you don't want to go there. I like Robert Morris's story. They were skiing one year out in Denver, somewhere, somewhere out, yeah, out there. He got on a lift with a lady. Robert's ugly. But, but the girl evidently thought he was cute. When they got on, on the ski lift together, she looked over at him and said, want to meet me tonight? And Robert looked at her and said, I'm in love with a man. She got just far as she could over on the other side of that ski lift. 
And before they got off, he said, his name is Jesus. Try that with a dude someday. <laughs> You'll be talked about. Daniel. Daniel becomes also the favorite of a king. He's doing great work. But all of a sudden, this echelon comes up. These, this outer bunch of people in the group could be the church. Could be the wheat amongst the tares. Start trying to give Daniel a hard time because he's being favored by the king. So they all get together and say, let's make this little decree. Let's raise up another idol and uh, let's put Daniel through it. They, told, they, told, they talked to each other and said, nobody can pray. We don't want no praying going on. What does Daniel do? Does Daniel do, go, oh, heck, I don't get to pray. Huh. <laughs> they take him and put him in the lion's den. They shut the doors, and they open the gate over here for the lions to come in. Hungry lions. Not just lions, hungry lions. Y'all ever sing the Coons deal? Oh, hail to Coons High School. The first time I ever went to a Coons football game, I'm standing there like an idiot, normal. And all of a sudden, we're going to play the Coons song. And everybody in that stadium goes. And I'm standing here like this going, do I buy into this? I've been going four, five years, and I ain't done it yet. When, I, when they did that, though, they had just said the prayer. And then they throw their hands up like this. I was having flashbacks. I thought I was in a Billy Graham crusade, and everybody was getting saved. Crazy. Don't do that. Don't, don't get, oh, Sherry said don't do that. Oh, no. Where was I? Daniel. Daniel's back there. Uh, there goes the chicken. Uh, When, when am I supposed to be through right now? Okay. They closed, they closed Daniel up in there. They turned the lions loose on him. Guess what? It don't look good. Once again, these aren't just lions. These are hungry lions. They starved them. When they turned you loose, them, the lions loose on you, they were ravenous beasts. And they tore you apart and ate you right there. Those lions went over and just laid down very peaceably because the God of heaven said, Hey, Daniel, I've got one more move. And he, it says that he closed their mouths. I guess what happened again? King comes up, looks inside, and said, The lions are not eating Daniel. Take all them people that were... Accusing them and throw their butts in there and let Daniel out. You see, you, you're, you're saying, Brother Donnie, you're, you're kind of acting like it's right when your enemy gets done wrong. Amen, brother. 
See, but y'all been raised up in church in, 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 uh, in the uh, vacation Bible school. We, you're not supposed to hit people. You're not supposed to be, uh, not do unnice things. Like we say, like, I hope a lion eats your butt. <laughs> God says in his word, seeing that it is a righteous thing. To do what? To pay back to those who have given you a hard time. And that's why the lions ate those wicked people's butts. And the people got burned up in the fiery furnace. They had fried people. Here's my whole reason for saying this this morning. It is no doubt in my mind that some of you are going to face some things in your life that you're not going to be big enough to handle. When King David started writing the book of Psalms, one of the number one things that he said, he said, Lord, I have made many enemies in my life. I've killed thousands with the sword. And my enemy has become bigger than me. I need your help. And when you get old, and I'm saying this sincerely, when you get old, you can't defend yourself quite like you could when you were young. That's when God, who is always faithful, steps in and takes care of business in his name, for your name's sake. I got to thinking on the way down here this morning. The most important word that can be spoken in church is, yes, Lord. I want you to sit right there for a moment. And I want you to think about the thing or the many things in your life that could take away the change from your pocket that God has deposited in your pocket. You go back and read and study the Old Testament, you'll see many times where it says, when you call on my name, I will not hear you. Or other circumstances, he says, when, you call, when I call on your name, we will, we will communicate. What you want, folks, is communication. One of the worst things in life is to be in the middle of a situation and have no idea how God feels about it. You need, and you know what? Sometimes the only place you're going to find an answer to what's going on is in the Word of God. That's why I believe the Scripture says, let this mind which is in Christ Jesus be in you. Go study the Old Testament. When they would take, they would tell the Old Testament prophets to take the scrolls, Old Testament scrolls, it said consume them. Let it go down inside your innards, your inwards, your guts. And let it be consumed down in there. So that when you have a need or when you have a question of how God would handle a situation, you'll know what to do. And there won't be any doubt in your mind that God always has one more move, one more move for all of your lives. Bow your heads with me this morning.
I sat down the day before yesterday and began to think, and I told you when I started that I found seven, seven situations in my life as a grandpa, as a daddy, as a used-to-be preacher, pastor here, in my life, period, me and my wife in our home, seven things that I needed God's help with. God's simple word back to me when he spoke back to my heart was this. Trust me. And I said, well, Lord, what if this happened? He, says, I didn't, he said, you don't worry about the outcome. You don't, care if, you don't worry about if it doesn't look the way you think it ought to look. Just trust me that I'm looking from above and you're looking from where you're at. He said, I know all things, see all things, understand all things. And you, you're, you're just going to have to trust me. You're going to have to put your earthly blinders on and just walk the way that I tell you. Use my spirit and, and the word to lead you where I want you to go to. And folks, let me tell you something. If you don't have that kind of peace with God, this is going to be one miserable life. How many of you here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, would be willing to say, Lord, God, Brother Donnie, whoever you're talking to, I have a few situations in my life that I see where the devil has me checkmate. And if God doesn't make a move, the outcome's not going to be good. Nobody's looking. How many of you can put your hands up? That's me. Look at all the need, needy people here this morning. Don't look. I mean to. <laughs> you put your hands down. I'm going to ask every one of you here this morning that raised your hand to come up here. We got, we got two minutes. When you raise your hand, come up here. Not gonna, we're not going to make you give a confession or nothing else. Just, I want you to come up here, and here's what I want you to do. How many of you know what your issue is? Raise your hand. You know you have an issue. How many of you have a hard issue? Hard issue. Something you can't handle that only God can take care of. Now I'm going to ask y'all a real personal question. How many of you know what's blocking you from getting the answer or the outcome that you want? How many of you know that there's something in your life, something standing in the way that's keeping you from being what you need to be for God to be successful in y'all's life? How many, how many of you know what that issue is that's standing between you? Some of you are being honest and some of you are doing this. Only the sharp people know what you're doing. I want to pray with you this morning. Here's what I want, here's what I want to ask you to do. And I want to, we're going to give a testimony next week about how many of you did what God told you to do and how God did it, how he took care of it. I'm going to pray with you. I just want to pray. And I'm going to say, here's what I'm going to say to y'all. Dear Lord Jesus, get these people to say from their heart, yes, Lord to the thing and get rid of the thing that's blocking 
the positive outcome that God wants to see in your life. I'm praying right now for you that God will, you will say to God right now in your spirit, yes, Lord. And I promise you, if you will say yes, Lord, to the Lord, He will heal. Get the problem out of the way, and He will give you a healing in the situation. How many of you know that's true? If you'll get the issue out of the way, God will fix your problem. Okay? Bow your heads. Father, bless them. God, we're looking for big reports, great outcomes. We're looking for many, many people to come back and say, God had one more move, and he fixed my situation. Thank you, Father, for your always faithful, faithful, faithful being who you are, Lord. 